is the Santita Jackson Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, Voice of Progressive Minnesota. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. We've been talking about the DeMar Hamlin case. There are so many little pieces that we need to talk about and the protections that you need if your son or daughter are being recruited, particularly to these images revenue-producing sports in grammar school, in high school, in college, in uh, the pros. You need to know what your rights are. You need to know just how financially insecure, how financially precarious a position uh, Mr. Hamlin is in and others who are similarly competent. We need to talk about that. Of course, we're going to be talking about the speaker and, and you know, the fact that we still don't have a speaker. And, yes, we were trying to get over to the – I got over to the Hill yesterday. My brothers – state excuse me, not state representative, but congresswoman-elect L.U. Ramirez, they are, they're not – sworn in yet. Now, the Speaker of the House does not have to swear them in, That, but that is tradition, um, and um, and not just tradition, that's the way it's supposed to be done. Precious little legislating can get done without the Speaker. The Speaker is third in line of succession to the Presidency of the United States, so it destabilizes our government if, behind the Vice President of the United States, you don't have a backup plan. So, you know, there's a lot going on here, but there's a lot going on with this DeMar Hamlin case, and everybody is asking questions about his health, about how he's doing. People are concerned about the fact that not only did they have to defibrillate him on the field, but they needed to do it once again when he got to the hospital. So he was really in bad shape, and he's still in the ITU, and he is still not breathing on his own. And, well, Attorney Shannon Holmes has a lot to tell you about where his money is, what is up with the money. And Attorney C.K. Hoffler, okay, of bringing it all together, she is on her way to do court TV this morning. And so we're very, very excited about that. Legal analyst there, chair of Rainbow Push, and um, the former president of the National Bar Association. Of course, we have one of the leading voting rights lawyers and advocates in the country. Attorney Daryl Jones with us. They were going to be hosting the show today. That's another story. I'll tell you all about that. And then Attorney Erin Connolly, she and I are here in D.C. together. We're going to get together today. Can't wait to see my sister because we are both going to be in the Longworth House office building waiting for <laughs> Congresswoman-elect Dale Ramirez, the first Latina, to be elected to the U.S. House of Representatives from our part of the country. Oh, what a big deal that is. Congressman-elect Jonathan Jackson, this is the seat that has been, this is the longest held seat by an African-American in the history of the republic, more than 100 years. That's right, he's in that tradition. Oh, so we got a lot to talk about today, so let's get right to it, everybody. And, of course, Dr. Max Wolf, we talked about the economy, but you know how we do Dr. Wolf. He still loves me anyway, because what ends up happening with him is that, um, he talks about whatever I throw his way. In Chicago, it is snowing right now, everybody. The high will be 35 degrees, but it's snowing, and it is snowing in Minneapolis, St. Paul, 30 degrees. In the NFL, will the NFL uh, playoffs be pushed back one week? In order to complete the Bengals-Bills game, we don't know. We're going to find out 
in time, everybody, praying for the Hamlin family, pray, praying for the Hamlin, for Hamlin family, and a full recovery for Jamar Hamlin, that great, great, wonderful young man. Uh, in the NHL, the Wild Five, the Lightning won. Chicago had the night off. In the NBA, the Timberwolves 113, the Trailblazers 106, and the Bulls 121, and the Nets 112. Well, Minneapolis and Chicago had a great, great, great time. The house is at a standstill. There's a scramble to end the stalemate. Remember, tomorrow is the anniversary of January 6th. No one, right, Aaron, wants to be up there tomorrow. Because they removed the magnetometers. Right, Aaron Connolly? So a real layer of protection uh, for every, everyone on the Hill has been removed in this, in this new Congress. Who does that? Well, we're going to see what's going to happen. Will McCarthy, who has had six votes that he has lost, uh, and six votes, I must add, that Hakeem Jeffries has won. Don't ever forget that. 212 votes from the Democrats have held. Well, uh, will he be able to cut enough deals to secure the speakership? And he has agreed to agree to propose rules change that would allow just one member of the House of Representatives to be able to to uh, to make a move to oust the speaker. What do you think about that? What's happening in California, Channel South? And we're praying for you and Eric and everybody else out there because there's a bomb bomb cyclone that is hitting the California coast. Flooding in the Bay Area, Central California hurricane force winds. It is very, very, very difficult for our brothers and sisters out in California to pray for them. And of course, Pope Francis led the funeral of former president, former Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, German Pope in St. Peter's Square in Vatican City. It's the first time in modern times that a pontiff has presided over the funeral of this predecessor. Everybody, we are looking for financial freedom. Team Hotsburg is a path for you. I really do believe. Call them at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or 56david.com, 56david.com. If you don't have any credit, if you have poor credit, if you need to rebuild your credit, if you have credit card debt, if you are using your debit card, you really need to be using that credit card. You need to call Team Hockberg. If you have massive credit card debt, don't negotiate with these credit card companies yourself. You need to have Team Hockberg do it for you. If you're about to lose your house, you don't have to. If you want to buy a house or a building, it is really within your grasp. You just need to have a plan. Call them at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID so that you can be on the road to financial freedom and so that the American dream can be real for you. That's right. Or go to 56david.com, 56david.com. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to call them, and you'll have a free consultation, but tell them everything. Let them investigate. Let them come back to you with a plan to get you on your feet financially. It happened for Tom and Sonia. 17 credit cards, $100,000 worth of credit card debt. And they were about to lose their home. Two children. What were they going to do? Well, they called. They said, well, it can't get any worse than this. Let's call Team Lockburg. I don't know if it'll work, but they called 855-568. And guess what happened? They were able to negotiate their credit card debt by nearly $3,000 a month, $2,800. And then they were able to save their home. That can be you. It can be you. 
Call them at 855-568 or go to 568.com. Let's get at it. Everybody, we have got, of course, Attorney Shannon Holmes and Attorney C.K. Hoffer on her way to do court TV today and joined by Attorney Erin Connolly. And Erin Connolly's got one of my godchildren. It's her son. And guess what? Yes, I took him. And I'm not going to apologize for it. (laughs) And what has happened here is that um, uh, Attorney General Jones, we've been looking at this DeMar Hamlin situation because when you really dig up underneath, there's a lot going on, everybody. Um, uh, Attorney C.K. Hoffler, this is really an area of an area of, of law that you and attorney Holmes and others, um, you really, you're, you're getting into a space where you're protecting the young and the vulnerable. But, you know, as we were, and I want you to talk about that, but as we were talking, and I want, I certainly do want Attorney Jones and Attorney Connolly to weigh in here. We were talking about really the precarious nature, CK, of of football players, of the precarious finances of football players like yeah. like, um, like DeMar Hamlin. You know, people think, you know, he did, what I saw that his salary was $825,000 a year, I said, hey, he was drafted low. He doesn't have a lot of money. This is tight. And by the time you cut taxes and agents and everybody, he's not making a lot of money. And you know he's trying to take care of his family. And and he's, and he's a philanthropist. Um but then no one counts on the injury, C.K. and Attorney Holmes. And you were making the point that um, he was making the point, C.K., that uh, he doesn't have a lot of guarantees beyond now. Because I'm wondering who's going to pay this hospital bill, C.K. Well, first of all, I mean, again, my prayers go out to the Hamlin family. This is, you know, it's so personal for me, but it's personal for all of us. It should be personal for all of us. It's personal for me because I'm in this. I have one Division One um, football playing son, and I have another one who's about to play Division One football um, in June of this year, starting June of this year. So it's very personal. These injuries are inherent to football. Both of my sons have had surgery when they were 18. They had shoulder the exact same surgery, shoulder surgery. My younger son has already had. He's got nine anchors in his, in, his, in his shoulder because of a football injury. This is, yeah, nine anchors. And, and so I wake up just wondering sometimes what in the world. But this is what they want to do at this moment. And so as a parent, there are a few things that I look at and a few things that we need to learn from this DeMar um, Hamlin tragedy. Um, all of us need to. And we need to look at how do we protect these because he's a child. He might be a little bit more grown. He's 24, but he's still young. He, he started probably had a stellar career in high school, much like my children, progressed into college, heavily recruited, and then went on to the NFL. Very few of the heavily recruited players in high school and in college go on to the NFL. So he was fortunate enough to do that. Built in there is the danger of football. So we have to reverse engineer at what point, and I, I say immediately, when they're in high school, going to college, before they go to college, do we build in the protection, especially now when we have NIL, where college players can get, and actually some high school players in some states, can get money, a lot of money for their name image and likeness. This has become such a passion of mine. You know, I'm a trial lawyer, and I'm going to continue to be a trial lawyer. But if I can't do for my children what I do for my client, meaning give voice to them, to their issues, what am I doing as a parent? 
so this is something that's so important to me that we have created a practice group that is going to be, that is offering, it's, a, it's, in, it's an NIL team that's going to be offering a host of services to our clients, but it's steep in law. Because at its core, what these athletes are dealing with every day are legal contracts, whether it's mm-hmm. in school. In college, they're negotiating contracts. You sign your letter of intent. That's a contract. You get an NIL deal. That's a contract. You, you, uh, you are in the NFL. You're going to sign a contract. You get deals with sponsors. You sign your contract. You breach a contract, and the ramifications of that breach, and it could be injury, um, those are contract issues that lawyers have to help you navigate through. Some people don't have lawyers. There are social media communications components. There are finance components. What do you do with the money? Are you paying taxes? How do you pay taxes? How do you plan for injury? Do you have disability insurance? All of these questions you've got to treat if you are an athlete as young as high school athlete, particularly if you can get NIL money, you have to treat yourself like a business, like you are a corporate executive. And a lot of families may not even know this. Most families don't know this. And it's not a social economic issue. It's just that you're going into a billion and trillion dollar industry and you must be prepared. We have to prepare our young folks because when what happens, like what happened to Dwan Hamlin, when that happens, what is the recourse? What can he do? Even when you have, and Shannon can talk more about this, he said it earlier today, even when you have a team that says, oh, we'll take care of the medical expenses and all of that, all right, but what is he going to do to secure his future? Because more than likely, he probably won't be able to play again. Hmm. So what's going to happen to Mr. Hamlin? What's going to happen to his family? Has he, and he, the, the, he may have already provided for this. He may be completely protected. But I would dare say, If he's completely protected, I'm very happy for him. But if he's not, he's going to be like 98% of Division I and professional football players. Not heavily protected in terms of when something bad happens. Or even it doesn't even take something bad to happen. Sometimes it just takes a living. So that, Santita, we have to have an honest discussion with what we need to put in place, the things that families need to think about early on. Because if you're going to be in the big leagues and it starts in high school, then you need to be in the big leagues and treat it like the big leagues. And if you don't have the knowledge, that's okay. Get professionals who can give you the knowledge. And there's so many out there. NIL is new. Name, image, and likeness. That's new. It's only been around for about a year and a half. Every state treats NIL differently. And so a lot of people, even the lawyers, some lawyers don't know if they're not in it. And state legislators are dealing with NIL, the ratification. I think it's going to morph and change even more. But in the meantime, the children need to be protected. So, you know what, you, No, no, I mean, because you're talking about these are the things that we need to think, out, think about on the front side because we don't even think about this because people come to you personally and they warm you up and they love you up. But right now, right now. You are looking at the Hamlin family. They are looking at, um, they're, they're wanting their, their child, their cousin, their uncle, their nephew to make it their big brother. Because he has a, he has a big, he, he takes, he is taking responsibility for his baby brother who's six. So you, oh my gosh. But attorney Holmes, that $825,000 that he was making this year, is not a lot of money by the time you give it to the agent, the tax man, et cetera, et cetera, and yet he's still out here trying to raise money because he remembers what it was like when he was living in the mouth. 
and I want to know about hospitalization. Right? I mean, he's got a lot of bills that are coming at him. And he's not even in Buffalo. He's still in Cincinnati. Correct. Correct. Yes, and Tita. And, and as we discussed in the last hour, I mean, he has insurance plan with the NFL, which should pick up a large portion of his expenses. I mean, I'm not sure what the co-pays, et cetera, et cetera, are, but we know he has insurance, and we assume he has insurance as an as a contracted player with the league. Um, and as I said in the last hour, you know, hopefully his organization will step up and fill in some of the gaps. Again, they're not obligated to, but there have been scenarios in the past where ownership and teams have uh, gone out and taken care of various expenses and provided funding for injured players. And we hope that the Buffalo Bills organization steps up and fills in that gap if required. Um, but I'd like to back up a little bit and, and talk about, you know, you, you remember Santita where a couple of years ago, we we're hearing a lot about the CTE issues with players in the NFL and their collective, I mean, their uh, class action litigation against the NFL regarding the brain injuries and all the, the problems that it was causing for a lot of the retired players. And with that, I'd like to stress that, and CK talked a little bit about this, it was the wives and the mothers that were really pushing that effort. And so oftentimes it's the players, but it's a lot of times it's the moms and the wives who are seeing what's happening with the players that are pushing these agendas forward. Um, and in that case, that was the case. What I would like to suggest to the moms now and the parents now is that if your kid is preparing to go to Division One college football, play college football, I would be asking, what happens if my kid has a permanent injury? What, is, what happens if? And, and I would be talking to the, the teams and the coaches and the schools about that. And what a lot of families do not know is that their Division One athletes are eligible for disability insurance at the collegiate level. And then oftentimes the schools will partner with the families and pay for it. Um, they're also oftentimes there are families who can afford it and they decide to take out policies on their kids without schools participation. But there are opportunities for kids and families to be protected as early as college with the disability policy. And it's interesting. Once that kid, as CK said, once all the attention is on the kid and he's at four star, five star, being highly recruited, and then he reaches college and he's got all these other accolades, all American and future draft pick, that's when you're eligible for disability insurance through the school. And there are two provisions there. There's one that says you're going to get paid if you suffer an injury while here in college and you can't go play professional football while you would have an opportunity to earn X amount of money. So that's one cost. The second one is if you're in college and you stick around after your sophomore, junior, and into your senior year, and you're injured during one of those years and it affects your draft status, so you are projected as a first-round pick, but then you're reduced to a third, fourth, or fifth-round pick, there's another provision that will pay, make up the difference between what you would have been paid as a first-round pick and what you're paid as a third, fourth, or fifth-round pick. So these are just some of the things... Yes, these are just some of the things that a team of professionals can assist a family with, like CK and I, and what we, the team we put together to make sure that families and parents and athletes understand all that's out there to help protect them in these situations. You know what? I want you to stay right there. We're going to bring on Dr. Max Wolf, but you know what? 
um, Attorney Daryl Jones, Attorney Aaron Connolly, I want you to react to what you've heard. I mean, because I, I think, you, you know, as we look at voting rights, voting rights give us all of our other rights. But, you know, we're fighting for labor rights now, and I think that's where this fits, Aaron. Um, and really, how do, how do we protect ourselves? You know what I'm, I mean, Aaron? I got about ten seconds before. I mean, you know what I'm saying, Aaron? Pardon me. Absolutely. I mean, as a mom, you know, you you think about that that side of it, and it's 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 difficult to hear these realities. Truly. No, but you but you know, I mean, Daryl, you don't think about this. But these you need to be negotiating with college and with these high schools. Before you even, oh my gosh, you got, you got, I mean, I got about 10 seconds to tell. No, you're absolutely right, Santita. And the other part, even what Brother Holmes was saying about the Division One schools, when you get down to the Division Two and Division Three schools, and people and the kids are getting injured there, you know what protections can be put in place. We've got to really expand that conversation to be certain that the kids are protected. Well, this is the conversation we're having on the Santita Jackson Show. Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. January 26th. You do not want to miss the mayoral debate here on WCPG. We're going to have all the candidates. Almost everybody has said yes, they want to be heard on this station and they want to be heard by you. I want you all to send me some questions. Let me know the questions that you want Joan Esposito, Patty Vasquez, and I to ask them. All right? All right, everybody. And um, mm, we got to get Shapiro, would you call in to people can ask about your vittles? Hey, Miss Wanda, sending you much love, kid. Mr. Corey, all my love down there in North Carolina. Love all of you. We, of course, have Dr. Max Wolf time on the Santita Jackson Show. And when we were talking yesterday, he said, I want to talk about labor. And believe it or not, the Jamar Hamlin story is a labor issue, as we've been talking about it, as many of you are hearing. It's a labor issue. And um, I want to talk about that. But, you know, Shannon Holmes, Dr. Wolf, a brilliant attorney, he and attorney C.K. Hoffler are are expanding their practice together uh, to help protect athletes at the high school, college, and professional levels. There are so many ancillary products that you are that make money, and you need protections there. And we're seeing a lot of lawsuits filed by a lot of athletes who are trying to protect their images and on and on, but they're doing that. But right now, we're looking at DeMar Hamlin, because as we are praying for the restoration of his health, there's some real financial issues. The guarantees that football players, professional football players, American football players do not have stunning. And when you read, and he doesn't have a big contract. $825,000 in the grand scheme of things in football is not a lot of money. Um, and he has one of the contact positions, unlike um, Tom Brady, who has, they, he, other football players have been told not to touch him. That's part of the way he's been able to last so long, beyond the fact that he's a supremely disciplined and conditioned athlete. He has not been touched, y'all. And he's been able to make lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of money. 
and quarterbacks make lots and lots and lots of money. There's a black quarterback who has not been afforded, who has, who has performed brilliantly, who's not getting the same juice. So we've got, we got a lot to talk about. But I want, um, just, just generally, Attorney Jones and Attorney Connolly, very quickly, respond to what you have heard. I mean, and I know, Attorney Jones, you are in the voting rights space, but you really deal with our rights because all of our rights flow from our voting rights. When you start really taking this, you know, these pieces apart, you know, who's going to pay for the hospitalization, um, the recovery, if if he doesn't make it, what guarantees, financial guarantees, and on and on will his family get? I mean, do you think we should be thinking about those issues, Attorney Jones? Oh. Oh, absolutely, Santita. And, you know, I think we have to also consider, you know, long-term uh, issues uh, with regards to Mr. Hamlin, because we don't know what the long-term impact is going to be of the injuries that he's received. So, you know, one of the questions, you know, that certainly will be will be out there and that we've got to address is that when we have uh, a professional athlete uh, that's injured like this, uh, what responsibilities remain with the NFL? You know, what what... How does he get compensated for the rest of his life? If he's unable to function fully, if he needs health assistance for the, for the remainder, he's, what, 24 years old? So if he lives yeah. to be 75, so if he needs you know, assistance for the next 51 years, what provisions are being put in place? So I, I think those are really major questions and, and being certain that, that his rights as, as an employee under, of the NFL are protected. I think that's a major issue that we've got to take, uh, take under, under consider, into consideration at this point in time. I, th- I think that, you know, those are the questions that we need to be forcing corporate media to ask Attorney Connolly um, because and, and we need to force the NFL, compel them to, to answer the question. The NFLPA, what have you negotiated? All of that. But, you know, when you I mean, and when you're dealing with your children who are going into high school sport because the money is coming in earlier and earlier and the professionalization of our children earlier and earlier. Uh, our children need lawyers. <laughs> it's clear. They need lawyers. And they need protections uh, from the players' union and supporting organizations that really their families. We're asking these men, young men, who invest their lives, their bodies, they're essentially gladiators of our time, right? And they're put at a, a huge physical risk. And we see that, and I've seen that with our family friends, and I've been lucky to some of the greatest championship games in college football, and, you know, that was a huge part of our, our family. And as I've gotten older, you know, the the heroes of of you know, my childhood has gotten older, and I see the impact of those old injuries on, on oh, yeah. not only their bodies, but their brains. And when we look at the statistics, we see a higher rate of mental health issues, substance abuse, um, lack of financial security. And what we need to see is a, a greater investment in the players and their families and supporting them and showing them um, how to stay healthy and how to secure the wealth that they're gaining while while they're playing. But really, we need to make sure we're supporting them in a, what seems to be a workers' compensation case, right? Um, that there should be a higher level of disability payments, 
to be for a longer term when you're asking someone to put this amount of physical burden and risk upon them, right? There is a higher risk of injury or even in this case, uh, cardiac arrest, right? That's a very serious uh, risk you're putting your body at. You should be able to at least secure um, you know, your salary for, for a reasonable portion of time and ensure that your medical care will be paid for. These, these are basic protections that you need to um, Oh, and and let me just say, Carol. What I mean, Shannon. Perhaps you want to explain. Carol said, "What does SJ mean by Brady hasn't been touched?" You want to explain that, Shannon? <laughs> well, there, there's there's this notion that um, you know the rules have been altered significantly to protect quarterbacks overall, not just Brady. But of course, mm-hmm. Brady being the face of the league and having now won so many Super Bowls as a premier quarterback in the NFL, being a white male quarterback, then certainly, you know, it appears that there have been lots of protections afforded Brady that have not been afforded others. But essentially, to be quite frank, it's been the quarterback position. Um, The rules have been altered quite a bit. And as we talk about the injuries that these players are sustaining, the NFL has taken some steps to try to deal with that. I mean, there have been rule changes regarding the kickoff, what yard line they kick off. It used to be the 30, now it's 35. You ask why? Well, that five yards, based on their studies, suggests that it's less. the more kicks will go into the end zone, there are less return kickoff returns, and there are less guys running down the field, running into each other, because they were realizing there were quite a bit of injuries coming out of that particular play. And so there have been other rule changes regarding because of the amount of knee injuries. So how guys engage, meaning when one guy is in physically engaged with another guy, a second or third player can't then come at the guy's knees. So there have been change, rule changes, ongoing rule changes to address the injuries that plague the players in the NFL. Um, again, we talk about the CTE issues with the players and retired and former players. They've made changes to the headgear technology. And now a lot of guys are wearing certain things in their helmets that signify and tell them how many times they've been hit in the head, the level of impact in the head. And they run those both in practice and in some cases in the games as well. And so mm-hmm. the NFL is trying what the NFL has basically said though, because of the amount of people on their rosters and because of the amount of injuries, they are less likely to give more guaranteed contracts. They just said, look, the injuries just are too often and it happened too quick that we're not willing to pay guys guaranteed money like you find in others, like particularly baseball and now in basketball um, because of the frequency of the injuries. And so as the other attorneys have stated, there needs to be a bigger push from the players through their union to put some more safeguards in place that will help them um, both while they're playing, but more importantly, when they're done playing in the NFL to help them with their medical and health issues. Which leads us to you, Dr. Max Wolf. You know, as we are looking at the DeMar Hamlin story, um, and we're all praying for his for the restoration of his health and for the strength of his family. And I think about his baby brother for whom he has taken responsibility, who's six years of age, who is sure desperate for his hero just to make it. It breaks just, I just, I pray for them. I continue to pray for them and for the whole family. This is a labor issue. I mean, we're looking at railway workers, Max, 
in America who can't get paid sick leave today. Yeah. I mean, I mean, while we're looking at this, I'm looking at hospitalization. I'm looking at, as Attorney Daryl Jones said, look, 51 years, he could live. He's only 24. It's, what if he makes it to 70 or 75? Where's the money going to be? You know, I mean, depending upon the physical shape he's in, should he survive this? Yeah, it might be another question that's more interesting, too, which is just to ask, if this is a known problem, if this is a, a field of, of activity where these people are working to make money, I think the public tends to forget. However much they're getting paid, they're working for people much wealthier than them who often make more off their labor than they do. Right? So I think we have a tendency to discuss star athletes who do earn vastly more than most of us. But we do tend to discuss them of their crazy salaries and how much they can buy. And they do have crazy salaries, and it's much more than everyone else. Sometimes it does reflect weird social values that a pediatrician makes less in a year than some athletes might make in a week. That those things are all true. But what we tend to forget is that these are people earning enormous salaries paid to them by vastly wealthy people and corporations who make more off of their labor than they do. I.e., there are still employees, however well-paid they are, and if those employees are routinely and seriously hurt, both in a short-term context, like this tragic case, but in longer-term context, where it's not as easy to see the injuries until long after the employment period, right? That's the head traumas and some of the other issues. And then those are not the only ones. Knees, hips, go, feet, you know, joints, wrists, ankles, all that. But then it's just sort of bizarre. I mean, keeping, unfortunately, with the abuse of labor tradition that we hold near and dear, here, maybe starting with unpaid labor and forced labor, which doesn't do much socially to elevate labor's bargaining power in the society, by the way. So we have a long-standing problem there. But if we know we're hurting and injuring people in the course of their work, if that work creates a lot of money, then the premiums for lifelong care and health insurance would normally and obviously be forced to be paid by the people employing them. Because if you put someone at risk in order to make you money, then you assume some responsibility for the risks they're assuming in terms of at least helping them bear those burdens. Hmm. So what do you, I mean, what do you think? I mean, because it seems like there is a movement afoot by people who, by, by labor for their rights. And first of all, let me, let me pivot back to you, attorney, um, attorney Shannon Holmes, brilliant sports lawyer. What um, you said that uh, after the season, no, no more money, at least contractually, for uh, for uh, for Demar Hamlin. Could you could you explain that, please? So sure, yeah. So the contract that Demar is currently on is a, a three year deal. His only guarantee. Oh, wait a minute. Where is he? We need him back. Oh, sorry, sorry, Cynthia. Okay, no, we couldn't hear you. Okay, now we can hear you. Sorry. You said he's yes, a three-year contract. No, it's okay. A three-year, three-year contract. And when we hear the word contract, most of us assume that that equates to him getting compensation over that three-year period, and that's not quite how the NFL contracts work. He essentially has three-year contract, which says if he makes the team each year. This is what he will be compensated in addition to incentives and bonuses, et cetera, meaning how many plays he plays, you know, if he has X amount of interceptions because he's a defensive player, 
X amount of tackles, if he makes the Pro Bowl, if he's all pro, et cetera, there are incentives in his contract that will pay him additional money beyond his base salary. But let's be very clear. He doesn't qualify for his base salary until he makes the team sometime around late July, I'm sorry, late August after training camp when the team decides on their final 53-man roster. So once you make the final cut is what they use, the terminology that's often used, then you are guaranteed your salary for that season. Um, and so with Hamlin and his current situation, given that it's not likely, at least we don't believe at this point, that he'll be playing next season, he does not, will not earn that uh, salary for next season. And so he will then immediately be a, non, uh, a non-roster player, and then he will qualify, start to qualify if he wants to for uh, applying for the disabilities and, the, and all those other benefits that may be available to him as a non-roster player. But he will not earn the salary that he's contracted to earn if he makes the team, because obviously he can't make the team in his current condition. You know, uh, Dr. Wolf, because, you know, he makes $825,000 this season, um, people don't, re- don't realize, hey, that's not what he's going to make for the rest of his life. Um, I hope, hope he can. I hope he can make that and more. But um, it's not a whole lot of money after that. Before you get to taxes, all the people who are in on your career, your agent, your lawyer, your, your, or your lawyer agent, all, all, I mean, just the money gets sliced and diced. And then you've got these risks uh, that are incurred. And so few protections, Dr. Wolf. So few protections. I mean, we, we don't think of these high-profile athletes and high-profile people as having as few protections as they have. Yeah. And normally, when you look at the salary, too, you have to ask a bunch of contextual questions. So there are certainly experts on this call, and I'm not one of them on this area. But I assume the average NFL career is somewhere on the order of one to two years. So the salary that these gentlemen are getting in most cases here is the culmination of eight or nine years of near professional labor in exchange for one or two years of salary. So let's say they do make a million dollars a year for two years, which is probably much better than most of them do. That's $2 million for 10 years of work. That comes out to 200000 pre-tax dollars a year, which means they wouldn't qualify to live in a nice condo in New York City. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, and it's a lot of risk for that. Now, some of them do fantastically better than that, right? And, and that's understandable and it makes sense. Um, and there's also other, there's other income these guys often get, you know, endorsements and commercials and, and various other opportunities to appearances and such. So that may not, this lead salaries, particularly for the more famous fellows are probably maybe not even the dominant income. And they have other incomes that are, that are larger, but look, it's a, it, you take a lot of risk to get there. And if you don't get there, but all that risk and all that pain doesn't earn you any money. And then when you are there, you're often not there very long. And then I guess as we tragically see in this case, although, you know, hopefully that's not the case with time, but it looks like it might be, any play can be your last. Because there are also career-affecting and career-ending injuries in many games throughout a season. And every season, we watch a bunch of folks, some famous and getting press coverage, many not so famous and not getting press coverage, have injuries that either really shorten or end their career altogether. And that is kind of part of life in the NFL. 
And then there's just people living with injuries, you know, and that's the other part of the story that maybe people don't like to talk about. But there's also people living and playing with injuries that introduce them to taking an amount of opioid painkillers that comes back to be problematic in a number of ways when they're older, as do those traumas to the head. We could have, we had an opportunity to talk about what head trauma looks like because we had somebody who looked like they might have had pretty substantial head trauma who ran for Senate. <laughs> you know, scratch that. <laughs> but you know, there you, there you have it. But it's. You probably had a lot of candidates for the House and Senate who had the in- indicators of substantial head trauma, whatever their previous years <laughs> were. It is not, not a lonely hearts club. I mean, what should labor be looking at in this moment, in your in your estimation, Doctor Wolf? I mean, because I'm, because I'm looking at the railway workers; they still don't have paid sick leave. I know I keep banging that drum, but y'all, that's a big deal. Yeah, they got a salary bump, but what they had mostly wanted was more control over days off, including sick days, which, of course. I think it's become a bigger issue for a lot of people of the age of COVID, whether for themselves or folks that they're trying to care for, family issues, et cetera, um, which they did not succeed in getting. But I think just more generally, I think the labor market news, the statistics really underline this. All the chess pieces are moving. The relationship between workers or employees and bosses shifted in COVID. It kind of broke down. And then we kind of pasted over it with a lot of government assistance for a few years. And as the sort of, at least partially in fits and starts, the sort of COVID era maybe goes into the sunset phase, we have we have to renegotiate the capital labor relationship because a lot of people left their employees to die for jobs that were literally life-threatening and don't pay very much and maybe don't even pay enough to live. And then we have an inflation, which was a little bit less bad than it was, it's still those prices aren't going down and they're maybe going up more slowly, but they're still going up. And then that really highlights. So first you, you're highlighting how dangerous your job is and how little concern there is for you. And then you're going to highlighting of how little you earn at that job. And that has been a profound one, two punch. I think that's just sort of is why it's now. And the bigger picture is we have redistributed wealth upward at an unbelievable rate. One of the only times we've seen this without violent social unrest anywhere in the world in the history upward. And so labor has really taken a beating on almost every front, almost every year for 40 years. And so people are kind of struggling through COVID and the risks at work and then inflation and what they can and can't buy with those paychecks in an environment where Every time the pie had to be divided for 40 years, the people who worked for a living got less of that pie. So they find themselves the artists formerly known as the middle class is a phrase I like to use, right? So these are people who still identify as middle class, but they're only there with spit, dreams, and debt. And a little bit of inflation or a little less spit or a little harder time having the dream, and it starts to get rough. And then there are just moments sometimes traumatic, sometimes not, that maybe bring people to crystallizing their thoughts or complaints. And when you look at the quit rate, which rate was still pretty high, the sort of quitting of jobs and the turnover and the unfilled jobs, we have a fight going on here, right? And there's two different, as always, there's two different sort of ideas of solution. One is make these jobs pay better. That's the rising wages or paid medical leave fights. And those have had a really hard time in Congress. They had a really hard time getting through Congress. 
And then there's a just give them such crappy or take away the benefits that there's no choice. Starve them out. And we haven't decided exactly what we want to do nationally. Some states have gone one direction, probably predictably. Some states have gone another, also probably predictably. But the federal policy is a little bit unclear. Also very divided House and Senate, make it hard to know where that's going to come from. But we haven't made a policy choice. And so we're kind of got one foot in the, okay, it's finally time to give labor better conditions and more money. Because otherwise, I mean, among other things, we're at the point of breaking our ability to have a democracy because of the wealth inequality. I think that's alarming some people who may not care that much about inequality. I love mm-hmm. to remind people, because people always get upset when we say this, we are not running low on inequality. So 40 years ago, the United States was one of the less unequally distributed for wealth in the developed world, right, of the sort of Western market countries. And we are now, by most measures, the least equally distributed. So we could half our inequality, for those of you who are worried, still be one of the most unequal countries. So I'm worried that we'll have some, everyone's going to wear a mouth suit and make the same check or whatever kind of dystopian fantasy comes to mind. That's not even within view past the horizon. You know what, Attorney Holmes, which leads me to you for the last literally 60 seconds, 60 seconds of this show. You and Attorney Hoffler have, have opened up practice to help mitigate this inequality. Last 60 seconds belong to you. Right, thank you, Santita. Again, it, the, the goal here in the exercise is just to make sure people are aware and very clear about their options and the fact that they need proper representation around them to help them make these decisions and get the protections they need, especially when it comes to uh, collegiate and professional athletics. Mm-hmm. Everybody, stay right here. I'm going to get some posting thoughts, of course, from attorney Daryl Jones, attorney Aaron Connolly, attorney Shannon Holmes, and Dr. Max Wolfe. I know everybody's running today, but uh, you all have stuck with me through the sand in a second. Let me give a special shout-out to my board operator with making things happen, making all these phone calls, moving, grooving, yeah. Love to be board operator. That's the more of the Santita Jackson Show tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. Hopefully, everybody will get sworn in. I'm still in DC. Prayers up.